0: Please hit like, share, and subscribe. Now enjoy Practical Guitarist Podcast.
1: Good evening, Jim. Sorry, I had to say Good it evening, twice because I was—I have to do everything manually tonight. I moved everything over to a new profile. I recreated all our scenes and stuff, but what I didn't do is move over the Stream Deck stuff, so that's got to be done next. Oh, okay. And then next episode, I'll have all this wonderful automation. I'll be able to press buttons, and it'll just be this fantastic process for us to get an episode out instead of whatever the hell it is I'm doing tonight. And I say I'm going to do this next episode, but... Who knows what my time's going to look like between now and then. Let me get the uh, the proper uh, uh, code lit up here, too. Which, that's a whole other... i got to remember how to do this, because I haven't been doing it manually in a while. Yeah, it's the one... Yeah, that one. That, that one? I don't know. I don't even know anymore. All right. I'm going to be doing a lot of expanding folders No BS tonight. I'll
0: know, I'll know when I watch <laughs> it back. I'll, go, I'll, I'll yeah. go, oh, is it to my right or my left?
1: Yeah, it's so... And actually oddly enough I have a gap on uh the side of your camera but it looks okay because there's a map <laughs> of uh Westeros over there Westeros yeah yeah uh, and, and with the new
0: with the new season coming um the new series coming I'm looking forward to some more Westeros
1: I wonder if I can and Of course
0: my my kiss banner which fell off one of its one of its uh, tacks fell down so I got to tack that back yeah, up
1: Yeah we'll we'll fix that, by, um, that we'll fix might that need. Your camera size by next episode. I just, uh, when I, ha- I hacked that together just a second ago, I was like, what the hell? And now I'm, like, was, now I'm like, what the hell? Wait a minute. <laughs> I always feel naked when there's a guitar and it's not, I mean, it's right, it, it's literally right here.
0: Yeah. In, in in
1: reach. Oh, I'm glad you guys can't Hold see on. my floor. I literally have piles of cables and stuff around me in all directions right now because we've been doing some cleaning and uh, it's just a goddamn disaster. So. I. I since last episode, because it's been three weeks, I think. Um, yeah, so I've, had, I've I've done a lot of shit. <laughs> so, some shit's changed. Yeah, for, for both of us actually. Um, yeah. I don't think we'd even selected a mix engineer at that point. Uh, no, you so had, that's you were you were still deciding at that point. It's going to be a big part of the next uh, the next like twenty minutes or something. So actually, one of the cool things is I got this to play with, which this is oh, a yeah, yeah. newer GE three hundred light, and. Um, I was asked by someone to create patches for it because Mm -hmm. they couldn't get it to sound good and i'm here to report that i can't actually get it to sound decent however however uh jim you know this from commentary via discord uh this goddamn pedal what the hell i mean okay so the models that are in it like, some of them are, like, obvious. Like, right? You'd think, oh, Deluxe Reverb, that's naturally going to be there. Right. But there's a lot of shit that should be in there that isn't. Like, for example, a tweed. Yeah. Any tweed. who? <laughs> <laughs> like, any tweed. It doesn't matter. I, I can't. I mean, I think there probably is something in there. But no Tweed Deluxe. And I don't recall seeing a basement. <laughs> and, and the labels of the models are hilarious. Like, okay, so you got Plex 100. I wonder what that is. And then you go up when there's the Golden Boy 100. What the fuck mm-hmm. is this? And and I I played it and I go, is that, is that? And I consult the manual and it's a it's a Friedman small box. I'm like, what the what? hell does that have to do with Golden Boy? Like right, what for,
0: for? Can I can I say something? Uh, and maybe you know what? I'm I'm an old man yelling at clouds here. I if I buy that thing, I think the newest thing I'd have in there is maybe a Saldano of some kind. Because Friedman's are trying to do what? They're trying to be old marshals. Well, there are soldanos you know?
1: in here, right? No, no, and I understand that, right? Like if you're going to put a freedman, the- put in a modern one, right? Like the, right. like the BE one hundred, which is what should right. be in here but isn't. Um, yeah, I,
0: I don't need a golden boy because I've already got a plexi or I've already well, got you know a JMP or I've already got. Admittedly, you
1: know- those are modified plexies. the The golden boy is pretty different. Or the uh, not the golden boy. Goddamn small box is very different from a Plexi in the way that it's like frequency contour is set up. And it's definitely a more modern sounding Plexi. Um, but it's, you know, it's got the same DNA and, and you can probably dial a Plexi to sound. I was going to say, I should be able to dial it in cab models in cab models in this pure trash. Um, they're just, they're just trash. You have have
0: decent model. I mean, uh, even
1: compared to the the HX stomp, they're just trash and I hate the Helix models. So that's just saying something. Um, They they're all like so you get stereo mic choices on everyone, but it but they all sound like they're out of phase or like they're and then the mic choices are like super weird, um yeah, so I there's like so it seems like there was like a a uh there's a 160 in there but no we're, we're one which is weird what yeah that is weird um and there's a lot of shit like just like little like why the hell is this missing for example no univibe. There's no less than four fucking phasers, but there's no Univibe. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing notes. Four phasers, no Univibe. <laughs> um, don't don't, um, delays and reverbs, I mean, they're okay. They're passable. You could gig with this thing. I, I could take this out right now with the one patch I have dialed in on it and get through a gig if I had to. Um, would I? Not with the HX Stomp sitting back there. Actually, it's not back there right now. It's in my uh, gig bag. But um, yeah. no, I I wouldn't. <laughs> but 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 you know, again, it's one of those situations where this is a this is a loner piece of gear. I wouldn't gig with it anyway. But um, yeah, it is not what people said it was. People said, "Oh, this is the Helix Killer, and it's cheap." First off, it's four hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. Um, just buy an HX Stomp. Second off, you can't even affect the signal chain like dragging and dropping stuff in different patterns or arrangements in the same way. Um, now, the one thing that people did get all up in arms about this is a this is a camper killer, D- Jim. It's got tone capture technology. Uh, tone capture is a fancy way of saying EQ matching, which is something that's existed for a long time. Um, and right. I can tell you right, right now, I was hoping pretty... I was hoping it would do some form profiling. So I took um, I took a fuzz face. Actually, what I did was nope. this: I took this because I know these are hard to replicate, and I took this, which is the pickup simulator, so I could make sure the impedance matched. And I put them in series, and I ran them into this guy. And what ended up happening was that um, I got a clean boost instead of a fuzz. Um, I don't think there are any real fuzzes in this. There's like a, there's a big muff. If you like Big Muffs and consider them a real fuzz, there's a Big Muff in it. But there, I didn't see like a fuzz face or a facial fuzz or anything like that. Nothing that remotely sounded like one. So I was like, oh, well, if I could profile one, that'd be cool for this guy to get, you know? And I ran right. it through there and I was like, here's a clean boost. And I went, oh, so it's EQ matching and it's doing a sweep of frequencies to figure out what the EQ is at different volume levels. But basically what it's doing is trying to match that up with an existing model inside the unit and because the fuzz face, until you get about three-quarters of the volume knob up, is clean. Um, actually, probably even more than that. Probably 80% of the way up. It's clean. It gave me a clean boost. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> okay, let's just forget that last 20%. You know, where everybody lives. Um, okay. Yeah. So, anyway, it, it it does not do what the camper does. Um, just putting that out there. Um... Even the so even the videos for it say that like it's basically an EQ match, um, which is okay. But I have seen videos from end users saying it does what the what the Kemper does. No, no, it doesn't. I've owned a Kemper. This is a joke compared to the Kemper. I just flat out a joke. Um, if you buy this thinking you've got a Kemper, you're you need to just sell your weed because you, you're smoking too much of it. Um, <laughs> this is uh but it is a solid piece of gear, I guess. If you can get it for under four hundred bucks, like maybe you can con your Sweetwater wrap or your uh, Guitar Center rep into getting new one for like three hundred. I don't think so. I don't think Sweetwater sells more. You can call Guitar Center. I'm sure you can get a deal. I'm sure you can get this guy for like three hundred bucks, and then it's probably feasible. But uh, I wouldn't pay a penny over three hundred for it. Um, yeah. That said, it's heavy. It's well built. Switches feel solid. They light yeah. up. Um, There's physical knobs. There's five physical knobs on the unit, so they basically give you one part of the parameters. I don't like the interface. It's it's okay, but it's kind of clunky. The only difference between this and, like, an interface from a boss unit from a couple of years ago... Uh, Well, I guess, like, like the GT100, right? The one they had, the like, three rows, and then you would paginate between them. Like, that kind of interface. That's basically what it is, but it's in color. I mean, oh, whoop-dee, you know? Uh, I People, I mean, I, I, maybe I'm overestimating the value of color in designing a user interface, but in this particular instance, it really doesn't do much. Um, the tone match, the one interesting thing about it does do is you can actually run a guitar through it and it'll actually match the guitar it basically takes some of the EQ characteristics that the guitar is putting out into the unit and then puts it onto your other guitar. So if you have a Telecaster and you flopped it on your Les Paul, it's not going to make your Telecaster sound like a Les Paul or vice versa. What it's going to do is give you some amalgamation of the in-between, which is cool. It's interesting. Um, it might be one of those textural things that people like, but I don't really see the point in buying this because I believe they offer that in a smaller pedal now. Um, the uh, guitar IR modeler thingy. I don't I don't remember what it's called, but I think we were actually put that into a smaller unit. So that would be a cool box stone cuz I think there might be some usefulness there for certain folks. Um so uh Jim, what do you got going on? What's new for you?
0: Well, you know, I um we had a gig. I I had to can- we had to cancel our first gig. Uh that was a little bit disconcerting. Um and so Talk a little bit about that later. Why one would do that. Yeah, yeah, because that's
1: um a later part of the show.
0: I I traveled to New York, got to uh do some fun stuff. Um yeah, you went to the you went to the Enterprise. Yeah, I went to the bridge. Uh and uh I was in engineering and went up the uh uh the fallopian tube. I mean the um
1: <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. The uh what do you call the it? Jeffrey's tube? The Jeffries tube. Uh, Jeffrey's, Jeffrey's too. It also um, sounds like a sex anatomy thing.
0: And so many so many funny things. I i mean I've known and loved trivia about Star Trek for years and years and years. And I know I'm going off of a guitar tangent here for a second, but having walked through um this is my second time through the uh with a private tour. We we had a private tour because we're family and uh went through and it and <clears throat> this is my second time as a private tour, but the um the guy showing us the stuff uh, really went deep and talked about some of the funny things that they would do to spoof uh, the the people who were, like, you know, watching. And only people who really watched really close would get a lot of the jokes. And, like, they, they were talking about, like, the Jeffreys tube is a tube to nowhere. And yeah. all those things were tubes to nowhere. And it was so funny because they would, like, have these sparks flying down. <laughs> they had to stay up there with their feet hanging out. <laughs> and um, just some of because when you think about it, I mean, we're all we're all actors when we get on stage. We all do things that, you know, you would you would think, why would you go through that? Like,
1: Oh, um, believe me. I got stories for that one, but I think those are for another time. Right. And so uh, I, I was sitting there
0: like, oh, my God, this is so funny. I mean, just uh, I laughed my rear end off listening to the stories that they had to tell about, you know, um, some of it I knew. But my family was there, too. And my sons were really like, wow, did you know that, Dad? And I was like, no. I, you know, mo- Yeah, most of it I knew. But there was some of it I laughed so hard. Of course, I knew about the guys behind the, the doors. And they would cue door and they would they would move the thing. So there was always somebody behind the door going, door (laughs) Was it? Because that was the director had to say, door. But if they were like not paying attention or whatever, it's a lot of outtakes where they just turn around and slam right in. Weren't
1: they doing some of those noises on set too? Like instead of instead of (laughs) Yeah. They had like a they had like a device or something that they used to make it consistent, but it was like because they didn't yeah. ha- they weren't they weren't going and, and doing a lot of sound production offset so they, they also showed me how like one of the set pieces they had a little video um how one of the set
0: pieces wasn't quite done when they shot and the lights wouldn't let the glue sit yeah so when the girl was pushing the button remember the evil Kirk and evil Spock? yeah and the girl yeah, could yeah. Make, make them disappear um between uh air um between uh universes she Push the button. <laughs> they showed it, the close-up, and when you watch her push the button, you could see it like f- she's almost pushing it right through the set because <laughs> it wasn't the glued glue wasn't property, set.
1: properly. yeah. So
0: they had it. They had it set up so that it was wrong, just the way they had it, so that it would look the way that, that it was on the TV thing. Um, all all kinds of funny stuff. I bought a treble because you have to have a treble. Oh, I should have had him in here. I'll have i have Kyle. I'll text him in a minute and have him bring in my treble. Um, and uh, I bought, um, you know, one of the books and some other stuff. And, <clears throat> and uh, just a lot of fun. Uh, but, but the person that owns this um, funded this, and we're gonna, um, I'm going to ask him to come on the show. Um, so he's a full-time musician. And as you already know, I'm just telling this for the listeners. Um, so my cousin Jim Colley, he um, uh, is a full-time uh, musician, Elvis Impersonator, or was. Now he kinda does it whenever he kinda wants to. Yeah. And um which is funny. And uh he um was talking about all the stuff that he did and he was giving this young kid we were leaving the Star Trek Museum and we we're getting getting ready to go out to the you know, you always go into a small town and there's always a custard stand you gotta go hit. And then right, this right. great custard stand that so we were gonna go hit the custard stand, but um Jimmy was telling this guy this kid who was going to uh Princeton or something um for uh accounting and the kid was a musician and his mom wanted to be a, him to be a musician and take a shot take a shot and the um, I can relate the, and so <clears throat> what he, what Jimmy said was you you could be the greatest um at whatever you want to be and if you want to be the world's greatest um accountant and just to have that money to go play your instrument—that's great. But if you want to be—I think a musician—go be the musician, and be the accountant until you can afford to leave, and then go be the musician. He said, "I." He—he he was um, a, a set designer for Star Trek: The Next Generation. He's on the, you know, the credits. He was also in um, the first one of the reboots when they rebooted the right. Star Trek. He's one of the—he's one of the staff members um, that you see on the um, when you. They're getting ready to um, take off. You'll see him on the bridge. Um he uh um did that stuff, but as he was a staff member and cutting, you know, cut clothes and, and helping with production and right. and set pieces and everything. Um uh because he did costume design. Um the uh um the folks there the he said, This isn't my passion. He realized he he could grow old doing that or he could find his real passion and so he walked away from it and went to Nashville and just did it and and you know the future be damned he was going to do it now of course he was young and he didn't have children and you know we got a lot of things that we could we could juggle there and that's what he said he said you're still young you don't have kids you don't have these these responsibilities. When you can take the shot, take the shot. You will always regret not taking the shot. And that was. I, I and I really kind of want to have him give that speech because he's
1: he's so much better at me than I am. I I suck at it. But I mean, I could <laughs> give that speech if you want, because yeah, uh, right. I can tell you, I regret the shit out of mine. Yeah, but it's not because like like I love my kids. Like I I'm happy with my life the way it is right now. But I mean. I had opportunities. I could have done whatever the hell I wanted for school. Nobody was telling yep. me I had to go and study English, which was a piss yep. poor decision. Um I had an aptitude for it, right? And then I ended up doing what yep. I'm an IT guy by trade now. But it's um it's one of those situations where I could have just said, Hell with it. I was already taking music classes, I could have switched my my major, I could have gone right down the program. I had I had people within the program I was taking like who were like actively trying to get me to do it. And then I had a friend who was like, he was in music school and he's like, dude, he's like, you're already better than half the people here. Like you should just do it. And I was, you know, I was young and dumb. I was 18. I, I didn't know any better. And I, I had a lot of self doubt as far as my music's concerned. I still have a lot of self doubt as far as my music's concerned, but now I just do it anyway. Um yeah. And as we'll talk about tonight, I, some things are starting to fall in place. I can't say a whole lot about those opportunities that are opening for me right now, but um, just because I don't know if they're going to pan out, and uh, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for me to do that. But um, yeah, I mean, if you if you're eighteen and you're listening to this podcast and you're wondering whether there's a career in music for you, like there's a there's plenty of careers available in this field. The question is, can you live knowing that? Can you live without money? Because that's 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 really the that's really the issue, right? Like a lot of people they can't accept that the max salary they might make is sixty thousand dollars a year or fifty thousand right. dollars a year. And it's like if you can accept that to live your passion, yes, do it. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Drop what you're doing, quit your job, go do it full time, find a job where you're making enough to pay your rent and then work your way through it. But right now, like uh, I'm, I'm in a position where I actually have a decent job, and I hate it. <laughs> I do. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I would much rather be spending my time playing guitar all damn day. But you don't get yeah. pe- you don't get paid paying guitar. You get paid paying gigs. You get paid paying opportunities. You get pay- paid endorsing people's gear. You get paid doing stuff like this. I mean, I we don't make money off the podcast. I'm gonna be completely honest about that. But, um we could it would be nice yeah we could monetize the shit out of this if we really wanted to but i don't think i don't think you or i are really really in that mindset where we want to monetize this because we got day jobs yeah and i've got
0: day jobs and i have a music Mm -hmm. um thing that i love doing so this is this is more of a passion project this is something that we do as a pair of talking heads we do infotainment um we try to provide good information we try to provide decent um uh uh, things for people to listen to. We have a steady group of listeners. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I'd rather be genuine and sit here and tell people, it, it, whether they agree or disagree, like or dislike what I say, they know it comes from here and not from here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's never a doubt that it's coming from here because there's none of this. Yeah, yeah. now they can
1: blame you. They just can't, can't blame the cash. We get it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They can't
0: blame the cash. This <laughs> and the heart. That's where it yeah, comes from. unfortunately. We, the rest of it, folks, I, I just don't. You can't
1: see my butt, but I'd point at my butt and say that's where most of yeah. my information comes from. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, so um, – that's are what's new, I think. Let's let's talk yeah. about let's talk about analog mixing. You're gonna learn some stuff, Jim, because you're gonna learn not you're not, not that you're gonna learn anything. You live through the time period where that was the way that people did things. But I think what you're gonna learn is like the difference between the way that people perceive digital and people perceive analog. So we were um I have a t- I have a band name. I can announce it. Uh if you steal it, I'll find you and I'll sue the crap out of you. Um nah, I'm not gonna sue you, but We might eventually, we might have to, uh, don't make me Gibson, please. Um, wink, wink. (laughs) Um, so, uh, the, the band name is destiny unraveled. Um, and it's basically myself and Tony LaPierre right now. Um, we're looking for a drummer still. So we, we decided we were going to mix this project and that we've been working on. We've got five songs we need to get done. I talked to Steven Miller. I got a quote from him. And then I happened into, um, Another local, uh, well not, he's Miller's not local, but, uh, we happened into a local engineer, uh, but, um, well he, he owns and runs third fire records, which is, which is a local label. So shout out to third fire records. Um, and we had a really good sit down conversation with him where he took a look at our mixes and he basically said like, this is how I would enhance this. And, uh, it was a very positive experience he showed us his gear we had a long conversation about how he would use his gear to mix our record um, and he's he's sitting on he's got a very very nice console uh it is a cat cadac cadac which is uh actually a console out of a church in England um during the time period when Neve was out of business they were bankrupt and so oh, wow. they um they they had a contract with the british government to provide consoles for British government function, which meant that like their spec was basically the British government spec. So what happened was when they went out of business, all these companies went to them and licensed things, and they made basically their. It's the same console with a different name on it. So we he's got an eve essentially, um, and in, in, in his studio, and so he's like, we're gonna take all your tracks and put them in the box. So in the in the PC. And we're going to mix as much as we can there. And then he's like, then we're going to drive that out to the board. And he's like, we're going to play the songs and we're going to mix them in real time analog, which is that we're going to use flying faders. Everybody's going to have their hands on the faders and doing their own thing. Right, right. And so this has actually resulted in a couple of situations where literally I'm at one end of the console. uh, Juan Velez, who's the engineer producer, is in the middle. And then Mm -hmm. Tony's at the other end. And he's running whatever that we've got going. So it's you know cool. it's six hands essentially. Um, so uh, the experience working with with uh, John has been insightful. Um, he's he's got a plethora of uh, knowledge with regards to how to best get sounds out of that console. How to you know? And he's got all this modified warm audio gear. And um, stuff to give us basically the sounds that you would get in a in a traditional studio. He um he studied under Daniel Lenoir, who you might recognize as producer's name. He's he's worked with Peter Gabriel among others, um and um has been you know part of various production teams over the years. Um I believe he nominated for Grammy, which that's like that's a whole other like achievement. Uh-huh. And uh, he's just a local dude. He hangs out in some yeah. of the same bars we do, and I was like, "Well, yeah. okay." You know, I mean, he. It, it, we, we had it. It's we, always uh, funny
0: people, um, and it's. I know you're not too starstruck, but I'm just saying that people are always like, "You don't know that person, or you never met that person, or blah blah blah." I'm like, what do you? Do you don't think they live on this? Planet we had Michelangelo Batio on the show for Christ's
1: yeah. sakes. I mean. Yeah. And um, you were sitting you were there with him. You were right yeah, there. Like with him. I was like having a beer with him pretty damn much. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't drink, but yeah, yeah, you were I mean right there
0: with him while he was having a beer and you weren't. But the point is, you guys weren't having a beer together. But the point is yeah. <laughs> just like I didn't go to high school with uh, with Adam Carolla. But um uh it's just funny to to see um sometimes people will say stuff like what you were just talking about where where people will say you did not, or that person does not, or whatever. I know people with gold records. I know people with with.
1: Um, I know uh, with a, a person Grammy. with, I know an actual musician with a gold record, which I yeah. didn't even know. He posted something about it on his Facebook, and he was like, yeah, I got this when I was like 20 years old or 21 years old. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Like yeah. you should be telling everybody that shit. That should be your resume, you know. But I mean, yeah, yeah, we we would think I'd be
0: I'd be fucking I'd, yeah. I'd wear that thing on my chest, like that guy with the flame <laughs> I'd be i wearing that <laughs> stuff all the time. Yo, look at this. Um, <laughs> you, my bad Did of you honor. miss this? Did you see this? Um, yeah, I, I, it's just funny that that. Uh, um to to see some people's reaction to that i just sorry go ahead go back to your story i just thought that's a little side there
1: so it's cool so third fire has um i'm not this is not a third fire commercial i want to make it really clear right right right. Uh, i have no affiliation with that label um other than they're mixing this project for us and there's you know money changing hands for that it's not like a friendly deal or anything like that um so other than to say that john's great And uh, he was telling us some of the stuff that goes on with with them and their label. And, like, so his whole thing is um, he's got artist representation that's international. So he's trying to build a bridge between the United States and foreign countries for people to be able to get their music out and also maybe to have playing opportunities that they wouldn't normally have. Um, And this has been something that actually has touched our community a little bit because I know a few people that have actually been outside the United States borders playing music for them um right and that's really really cool uh he actually and this is kind of the crazy thing right so like um he's in a suburb of chicago like far far west suburb but but suburb of chicago Mm -hmm. and his stock and trade like he's got several big country musicians that like are you know reasonably well known in certain circles apparently that are on his label and it's and i've met at least one of them and i i you know he's a nice guy and um I, you know, so part of this conversation, is predicated on the fact that I may be doing some recording work there in addition. Um, right. And I'm not, I don't think that's like, that's not a big secret. I say that maybe because there may not be a project for available for me. Um, but I'm, you know, like I've been asked some questions about like what things I can do. And it's like, well, what do you want me to do? You know, um, so. Anyway, when that, when that stuff starts getting like more solidified and that kind of thing, it'll probably start creeping into the show content. But basically what I wanted to talk about was the analog mixing process, because, um, in, in doing this, like, I just thought, oh, well, yeah, that's the sound. Like, that's cool. Like, let's do that. And, um, I, I went to school for, for recording science stuff. Like I did like three years of, or not three years, but, uh, three semesters of classes for it. And, um, it's helped me immensely as a musician because I understand things that I probably shouldn't, uh, especially with like regard to frequency content and that kind of stuff um, and compression. And, you know, the things that like, people are like, Oh, I can hear that, but I don't necessarily know how to do that. Um, I understand that stuff. In fact, I I have to teach it at work now, which is kind of wild. I have somehow trans, you know, like gotten to the point where I teach. Um, So Anyway, long story short, uh, we're walking through this process, and uh, actually, he said my mixes were really good. Um, I gave him basically dry tracks as close as I could get to dry. Uh, he got he didn't get uh, he got amped guitar tracks from me, and he's been using them because he says the guitar sounds are great. So we're not screwing around with this. Of course, I'm sitting there going, "Yeah, they're great. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, wink, wink, wink." Um, so anyway and then of course then you know then I got people handing me gear to go and make make uh, patches for too so it's like okay maybe I maybe I'm on to something I don't know um but um, I'm in a situation here where this guy's like uh, he's like your tracks are good or whatever and like we're just gonna try to emulate some of that and then we're gonna add on some some extra stuff uh, he didn't want my tracks like raw he was gonna use his gear to replace like the compressors and stuff I'd used. So we basically went through... Um, the first mix took about four hours. Okay, that's the in-the-box mix. And then we spent an hour uh, automating the faders. Well, not automating. There's no automation. I say automation. But what, what automation means is we practiced it. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Got the idea down. And then we mixed with our ears while we were doing it. Um, the, uh, the first, like, test mix. So basically what we did... What the process is... Um, we do, like... Four pa- four fader passes, and then he comps them all together. Okay, so um, that means if we miss a solo thing or whatever, he can go back and he can grab a better take of that. And right. uh, so the cool thing is, like people may not realize this when you're when you're recording, and um, especially like if you have a guitar solo, a lot of times you think the solo is just a static flat thing that like it gets compressed or whatever. Or the guitar itself is already compressed, and so um, actually. One of the things that the mix engineer will typically do is go in and if it's in the box, like if it's in a PC, they'll go in and they'll actually draw lines um, for where the volume should increase and stuff. Or they'll use a fader if they have like a fader port or something like that. And they'll sit there and do it mechanically so that um, your solo has like dynamics back in it. Because even with like if you just store a guitar, there's no dynamic to it and it sounds kind of dead and flat. So that's one of the things they do to spice it up um so that was my job was to sit there literally i'd sit there for like two minutes on my phone and then the solo would start and i would grab the fader and i would i would actually like ride the fader for my solo because i played it like i right. should know what should be loud here um yep. and yep. Uh, it resulted in some hilarious stuff so the first take we did uh i was riding the fader way too hot right and so it was super loud and then the second take we did, I kind of pulled it back some, and it was okay. And that was our test mix after the first uh, after the first session. So I sent that text mi- test mix to a couple of people uh, to get feedback, but also just so people could be like, "It sounds like shit on my speakers, right?" And then I would put it through like I have like five or six different listening environments I was going through, and um, so we made some notes. We went back another time, and then uh, we spent about an hour doing another mix out and then exported that and uh, this is where I thought like okay, we're good. Moved on to the next song, we got about through half the tracks like just assembling the, the project and then we realized, oh shit somehow Cubase said when I did my exports, had embedded tempo information in the tracks which I didn't even know was a thing. Like I'd seen a checkbox for it, so I knew you could do it, but I was like huh, how did that get checked? And it's actually funny because when I opened the project back up, it was unchecked. So Cubase did it on its own. So fortunately, the second export was okay. So when we came back the next time, we worked on the song some more. We got a test mix out. Test mix sounds okay. We made a few tweaks on the, the, uh, I think it was the fourth session. We made a few tweaks. And then we actually had, we had this sort of difficult conversation of the first song needs a few fixes. And it was like, well, how do we do this? Um, We tried surgery the first time, which was like, you take the two waveforms, right? And you go in and you're like, okay, so this is where the chorus starts right here in this little dot. So let's drag the volume up like 2 dB just right there and that kind of stuff. Or using like very, very specific EQ to try to drop an instrument out of a track or something. And um, yeah, it it didn't yield the result we were looking for. And I could tell that John was like, man, we've already mixed this song like three times. He's like, I don't really want to mix this again. And uh, he knew it was going to... cause, and, and he basically said, like, there's a problem because he's like, all that fader stuff we were doing, he's like, the console needs to be set up the exact same way for us to be able to fix these, like, two areas or we got to do a complete fader pass the whole song. So I was like, well, let's do another fader pass. I don't, I, I, mean, it's like, in my mind, I'm like, set it up. It's going to take us an hour, but set it up. Let's do it. And um, I think he was just like... Let's live with the mix for a couple days and we'll see. And we came back and of course Tony was like, no, we need to fix it. And I, and I agree with him. Um, So we actually ended up remixing the project yesterday, going through, we spent about two hours remixing it, um, doing a lot of in the box stuff and then going back again and doing another fader pass. We did two of them. And then we actually punched in a couple times because uh, well, so pro tools is a piece of shit. If you've never heard me say that on this show, Pro Tools is awful. Um, he's got a he's got a very very nice Mac uh, with a lot of hardware. And take guys for somebody that's an IT engineer, like the right stuff under the hood, and it's crashing Pro Tools even though he's only hit twenty percent CPU usage, because Pro Tools just sucks. Um, yeah, it is well. It's a it's a mo- it's a <clears throat> monstrosity of an application. He's got twelve cores or eight cores, I don't remember which. And they're they're all hitting like between fifteen and eighteen percent. The whole thing is at twenty percent, and it's still crashing. And we're sitting there going, "Really?" And yep. and he's doing the same thing. He's like, "Well, he's like, this is why we get this is why we can punch in, you know, like because we we literally had to stop like four times on one p- fader pass because it just kept crashing, and it was crashing at my guitar solo because it was just so badass that like the system couldn't handle it. <laughs> um, so which it's not. Trust me. Um, you'll have to take my word for it. But um, it's this weird juxtaposition between like doing things. Like if you had a Tascam Porta studio back in the day with the cassettes and you record a song and you're like sitting there grabbing the faders and moving shit around in real time and doing all the different things that you would do to actually make a master mix off of that. So you could hand it to somebody. Sure. And it was like that, except with a much bigger console much better sounding console. Um, right, right. And one of the things he said to me, that just kind of <laughs> like, it kind of like blew my mind. We were sitting there talking and he says, "The uh, this is John, the in- engineer. And he looks at me, he says, you know, he said, I got to get a second PC so I can print. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, he's like, when we print the mixes, he's like, we, you know, we run them through th- the thing. He's like, if I had a second PC and that was all it was doing it was like a stereo track where we're printing mixes He's like, it wouldn't crash all the time. And yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Like, that's a great idea. Cause he's like, it really doesn't start happening until we've got plugins going and we're recording back onto that same, that same project file. And I yeah. was, and he's, he actually kind of let me know. I was like, I yeah, may have been doing that before. Um, And there's a task cam recorder there. And he's like, I used to, I used to print to that. And then he's like, then I would go in there. But He's got a he's got an interesting setup. It's the kind of it's the kind of home studios it's not I don't want to say it's home studios. I mean it's a professional level studio. Um it's got he's got like a clock, right? The uh, an actual digital clock for setting the um uh the sample rate across all his devices. And so like when somebody sends him a forty eight K file, he's gotta get on the floor and adjust to forty-eight K. I so like doing that whole thing where he's printing to the task game is kind of a pain in the ass because he's taking whatever bit rate from one place and replacing it with a bit rate from another. And then when he exports that file from there and puts it back on his machine, then he's going to do the bit rate again. And it's just yep. like, okay, I get you. Like, I, I understand exactly what you're dealing with. It's kind of, a, it is a pain in the ass. Um, yep. so he's wanting to do it like a separate PC. So he can just ma- email the files right from that machine. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it makes a hell of a lot yep. of sense, but he's got, he actually does have an analog tape machine. I think it's a 24 track um which probably means it's like a TAC or something like that um i guess it could be a studer i don't know you might have a studer um but he was saying like nobody does tape anymore he said i actually used it up until about 2018 it's like people were like still bringing like bringing projects and when to do tape and stuff and it's like it was around 2018 where he stopped and he said uh we do he's like we can print mixes to it and i was like no nah, no nah, i don't think we want to spend that, that kind of money on a song like because yeah. I know that one song would be like 400 bucks. I mean, it's yeah. it's an involved process. But um, plus, then you've got your master is literally a physical tape, which makes it that much worse. You almost have to bounce the tape and then bounce the tape back to the uh, to yep. the DAW and like hope for the best. But um, so we're moving along. We got two of the five songs done, I think. Um, we were in, we've been going through test mixes today. And uh, it seems like we're making positive progress. So I can't complain too much, but, um, I'm glad to see that, like, we're moving forward and I'm glad to like, have the experience of doing this analog. I will tell you, um, there are benefits to this. I've, I've sat here and talked about cons, like going back and redoing things over and over. Um, oh, they're saying we have no audio. No one can hear. Really? Um, I have my audio muted on the stream itself, but uh we should be able to guys okay, should be able to hear us. Weird. Let me uh see what's up here. Yeah, I can't hear us either. Huh. I wonder oh, now I... you can hear something, at least. Anything? No, I just heard you. <laughs> oh, talking. I apologize. I'm glad somebody's telling me this. Uh, we are. Yeah. Uh, we are recording this episode, so it makes no difference either way. Oh, yeah. You mother. Ah. No, so Kirk. it changed <laughs> the streaming track to five. Ah. Let's see if I can. Can you type this guy? Uh, yeah, we're trying. Yep, here. I can type. Um, I took care of it. Uh, so what's going on is for those of you who are watching and cannot hear me, I'm not going to speak cause it's kind of stupid. How about now? Can you hear us now? Hey, give it a second. It's got to <laughs> go through the, yeah, time. I know. I don't know. Cause I may have to restart OBS. I don't think so though. It's
0: still talking i'm i'm watching you in the past and i'm not I sure know, I am, i'm now? doing this can same? you hear us yes. now perfect hey, right. it there it is. Yeah. go through we're them. in Yeah, i all know in.
1: we have it all right i don't know because i may have to restart OBS. all
0: right now they can hear us all right
1: <clears throat> i'm glad somebody was actually watching to say that because uh we've been just jabbering that's a, that's away for 20 minutes
0: talking great and, and
1: while while steven I'm is there the past, uh, i guitar
0: it's actually you can see the the corner of the case, right there, the brown uh handle, um, I'm cleaning up his les Paul standard or I mean studio uh he's gonna sell that. He bought a beautiful les Paul standard um in Heritage Cherry from about two thousand and three, I think, and uh he's selling that to help fund it, so that'll pay for half of it um and uh so I set up his current les Paul it was Oh my God! He well, when we get to the next thing, I'll I'll talk about it. But for right now, here's my triple. Oh yeah. I can I could turn it on and
1: have it make noise, but is it would be hair so metal? irritating. Is that hair
0: metal or triple? It, it's triple. It's a triple. It's official triple.
1: You know what the trouble with triples is, right? I know, right?
0: <laughs> the trouble with triples they can't fall down. Oh. But yeah, this little guy he's got a he's got one of those speaker things in there. You can get them you can get them in all kinds of colors. Just keep them away your from team. your green. Yeah, keep away from the grain. Just don't let him eat any any bread. Man. So there you go, triples.com If you're interested,
1: I might have to. It uh... was expensive.
0: I love, I love these things. Uh you know what? What's inside of it? it you'd
1: see, and it's pretty big. Big as my head. Yeah does it pretty... Does it give you that euphoric high that they gave the uh, members of oh, Starfleet? And he actually sits there and does this thing. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, we were just talking about analog mixing just to catch catch any uh listeners up who've been yeah. <laughs> like, what the <laughs> hell is going on here? Basically, I took my project to a guy that's got a big ass board. We're doing an old school style, it kind of sucks, it's kind of good. Um the the good parts were we were, were what we were glossing over, which is basically like the sound. Um sound and headroom. So he showed me, he's like, Well, you know, on a digital console, like if you've got uh, if you're approaching the limits of what the console can handle, you'll see the red LED light up um, on the fader. And he's like, on this guy, he's like red LED. He's like he's like, that's warning. Let's keep going. <laughs> you know like because uh, um, he said he said this thing has like uh, I think he said like sixteen or eighteen DBs of headroom or something. and I'm <clears> like, <throat> let's go, you know, because as soon as the red light hits, that means that means uh good harmonics. And these mixes are like big and fat. I sent them I sent them to somebody and somebody goes, That sounds really boxy. And I'm like, wait till it goes through mastering. Because they're gonna fix the boxiness. But the boxiness is the that big fat sound you heard on all those records from the 70s and the 80s that were still done this way. Um and you still hear it like on modern stuff too. But um I think like I think that a lot even a lot of modern analog gear still has a tendency to have like lower headrooms and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. because they just don't make them the same way. Like they don't engin- over-engineer them. They're not designed for abuse. Not the right. same way that they used to be. Um, cause like, you know, think about it. Most of your Neve consoles are in service. They're built in the sixties, you know, like, um, maybe, maybe the seventies. In some cases, I was watching this thing on East West studios the other day. And I'm like looking at their, their consoles they have in there and the Fairchilds and all that, like those Fairchild compressors were built in like the late fifties. And they're still in service. I know. Which is just yeah. insane. Um, and they're too... They're, mm-hmm. I think they, if you want to buy one, I think at an auction, they're like north of a $100,000 now. Um, they're extremely rare and and really difficult to maintain. And they weigh well. You know, hundreds of pounds. I mean, they're ridiculously heavy. They don't weigh hundreds. You know, so they're about 100 pounds. There's so much can be said about... I
0: don't care if you're talking about washing machines, cars, or uh, Neve consoles. Um, uh when you look at the simplistic um, nature of moving parts um, from the old days to now, and you think about the over-engineering—not in a good way—of um, things, uh, you really get a sense of why something could last so long. That's been mm-hmm. aged out. You know, we talk about it with guitars. I mean, everybody talks about how great you know. Oh, if you got an old guitar with the old pickups, they sound so much better. And I'm I'm not one to sit here and say I love an older pickup versus a newer pickup. To be honest with you, I love the pickup that sounds better to my ears at the moment. But um, that said, the the fact is that there is a there is both a mechanical a chemical um, right down to the molecules of what is different um, about these guitars. Uh, whether it's the wood, we've talked about the wood being different. We've talked about the metal being different. We've talked about the wax potting being different. We've talked about the um, the, the the working condition being different. The way you count a wire is different. All that stuff, it, it, they literally were building those things on a sewing machine. I yeah. mean, it was just an upside down sewing machine, folks. If you've never wound a pickup, it's a sewing machine yeah. that with a counter and you count the, the spins. And if the person was sitting there going
1: nodding off because they, they had like, too much to drink might, the night before and like it was out partying you know.
0: Or if they boo boo I don't know if you've ever done
1: this you get like a thing and you start
0: pulling a thread the next thing you know you're pulling a thread yeah. and now you got an underground pickup I mean stuff happened you know it was it like definitely oh, yeah, it, it definitely
1: enough. did but like so those old consoles are very, very much based on the same principles which is like there was a lot of component drift there was a lot right. of um it's not component drift it's just like poorly chosen components but also right. the fact that the the transformers are like were hand wound and hand designed and i believe Neve was actually right. making their own transformers which makes it that much yeah, more esoteric sense. which makes it that much more esoteric um but so and if you've ever wound a transformer it's wire around a around a bobbin i mean it's it's basically oh, the wow. same thing same thing yeah. <laughs> yeah so what makes it interesting though from from this perspective, it's like when you hear guys like Cla, you know that is Crystal lord uh famous right. recording engineer to, of today. Um, yep. He talks about I think he's got an API console, but I could be wrong on mm-hmm. that. Um, it might be an SSL. Uh, actually, I think it is an SSL. Um, and he talks about like how some of his channels on his SSL actually sound better than others because right. you know they're all just an analog signal path, and he knows that like this one is the one I use for vocals because it right. has a very specific you know and it might be a little 1% difference, but when you're in a studio working on projects um, that are, you know, multimillion dollar projects, you're going to use every ounce of that 1% to, to push that project forward. So um, right. it's just an interesting concept. It applies to all musicians uh, as well as guitar players. So I thought it was very interesting to share some of that experience with, with folks. If you ever get the chance to mix a record analog, you might want to try it. It just depends on where you're at. It depends on what kind of deal you can get for for your for the guy's services too. Um, obviously, we've got, you know, we're paying. Um, so we're balancing all that with part of this process. But um, it's definitely, you know, was the right path, I think, for this record. But um, just because we're, you know, we're in, in this specific genre of music that relied on this technology to make that stuff happen to begin with. So it was kind of like, it was kind of refreshing to walk into a place where we like, you mean we can, we can actually do the same thing? And yeah, you can. So this is what we're doing. Anyway, I'm going to switch over to the next topic. This is kind of Jim's topic. He's going to take the lead on this one. Because um, I need to take a minute and breathe. Um, so, Jim, take it away.
0: Yeah, so... um. <clears throat> This came to me because uh, Benatar um, and Neil Giraldo were live in um, up in Albany, New York, uh, the week I was up there, and um, I I found it interesting because Giraldo is usually known for his use of um, uh, what's the what's the darn guitar brand that uh, um, had the bitch and uh, BC Rich yeah BC Rich. um, and Fender and that type of thing, and so it it um, made me laugh because he played Les Pauls with the exception of one song. Um, and he played uh, he played three Les Pauls, two of them with Bigsby, one without, um, and then a uh, uh, Telecaster um, on uh, one song. Um, and I thought that was uh, that was interesting his choice. But the reason that I, I'm talking about this is that, you know, a lot of people will tell me, they'll say, you know, oh, you got, you've got this many Les Pauls, you've got this many. Sometimes it's because I want a backup of the same one. I want the same guitar with the same sound so that if one breaks a string, I switch out to the guitar, I don't have to worry about, oh, this is going to be a completely different sound feel and everything else. Right. But other times it's because um, I am experiencing where I want a different sound. I want to stand out differently in a in song A or B. And so one would say, well, then you'd want to switch to a tally or you'd want to switch to a strat. Sometimes it's really just about switching the tonal qualities a little bit and getting into another space. Um, and so you can have some, um, there's always this, well, if you want Les Paul to do this, you want a Telecaster to do this, and a Stratocaster to do this. And it's very, Almost still linear thinking of that style of guitar.
1: And you know, because you're a Strat-style guy. But yeah. you're not a Strat guy. No, so... Perfect. So, like, it's funny, because as I get older, I am actually gravitating more towards vintage Strats. Which is mm-hmm. kind of bizarre, but, like... Right, yeah. It's <laughs> just because... I think, number one, I think as I've gotten to be a better player... I find that the things that the strat does are more palatable to me. Um, I'm getting more and I'm getting less and less afraid of high end, which is cause I always, I'm like, I've always had this complex about like not offending people, but like literally hurting people's ears. And I'm now to the point where it's like, no, this is rock and roll. Like it's not supposed to be polite, you know, like it's supposed to be kind of ugly and um and in your face. Yeah. and And the other thing is like, Even when I do have... I'm on that bridge pickup, which I actually really like on the Strat, I don't mind it sounding like razor blades. That's what that guitar is supposed to sound like. And if the audience doesn't like it, they're going to put in some (coughs) earplugs. And I do intend at our shows to have, you know, some sort of hearing protection available to the audience if they'd like it. So, because I... Listen... I have gone to enough shows and damaged my hearing enough that like, I don't want other people to go through that same shit, but I'm also not going to be the guy that's going to turn down to, to nothing and uh, try to make it work. It's going to sound like it should. Um, It's not my fault. The clubs are getting smaller and smaller and the playing opportunities are getting shittier and shittier. Um, You know, if anything, I would, uh, I have some, we, we, we've shared them on the show before. I have some very radical ideas about, how we should be doing live gigs to make that more of a better experience for people. But, um, so with regard to the same guitar thing though, like, um, so you're, are you talking about like, cause, cause when you said this topic to me, like part of my thought process was, even if I have a strat, right? Like one day it sounds one way to me and one day it sounds another, another way, without changing anything. And that's, that, yep. and that's purely my ears right like the physicality of my ears um yep. but I, but I also understand that, the equipment swap right on... that's the that's the other side of it I was going to get at so there's
0: also I and I was watching um uh Derek Trucks um uh, playing his his SG and getting very different sounds depending on what he was doing and it's just and that's the other side of it you can you can get a lot of versatility out of one guitar um just by changing the way you're attacking it the way you're picking it the way you're um set it up i think there's I, and i know i've talked about this before but there's this this group of people who think you've got to be on 10 all the time or at some number no and you've got to be driving all the time and and it's like no sometimes you can you could lighten up you could push it forward you could bring it back you can um, you can play faster, you can play slower, you can do whatever it is you want. Um, get yourself, um, you know, uh, where you are listening to your guitar and listening listening to it as you're playing. Just like when you sing. If you're not listening to your voice back, you're not singing. You're just doing this, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, and uh, when I'm singing, I'm always listening back and going, am I in tune? Am I in am i yeah you know, that's part intonated. of being like, I... part of
1: being a singer versus being somebody who sings Do you know what i mean right um is is understanding that your voice is an instrument and treating it just like you would any other instrument
0: yeah and that's why like even um and to use singing is to continue to use that analogy i'll sing lightly or i'll sing powerfully or i'll sing uh, i'll hit with a more nasal tone or i'll hit with a more chest brown tone and um, it, you know, or I'll sing with a falsetto and hit the same exact sound with a full voice. And somebody else said, well, if you could do it with full voice, why would you do it with a falsetto and so on and so forth? Because it says something different to do that. Alert. Um, it...
1: Alert. I have a Uh-oh. way for our listeners to try the same thing at home with their guitars. And that yeah. is change picks. Yeah. I actually am going to lighter picks. And um, part of this is because I've been playing with heavy picks so long, that, yeah, I know, Jim. I've been playing with heavy picks so long that, I mean, when I say heavy, like, you guys are probably going to be like, what the hell? Uh, like, three millimeter, three and a half millimeter, four millimeter in some instances. Um, I was playing with super heavy picks because I was always trying to get this really, like, nasty attack, you know? I, like, wanted to beat on the guitar. And what I suddenly realized was, uh, it was affecting my ability to play rhythm, which that was a that was a huge chunk because the pick doesn't flex at all. Um, yep. But the other thing was that um, with the guitar I'm playing right now, if I play with a heavier pick, I get a lot more buzz because it's hitting the string harder. And yep. um, I can get that same level of... Uh, it's not like playing with a compressor. I can get that same level of dynamics with using a lighter pick. So I had two choices, you know. I could use a compressor, and or or I could, you know, go to a lighter. Actually, a compressor probably wouldn't work this system, but um, I could change my technique on the fretboard and like pick super light, or yep. I could still continue to use the same ranges of motion, um, so it's not as big an adjustment, and go down to a lighter pick, which also allowed me to play better rhythm, and that seemed like a smarter choice for me. But like at the end of the day, if it's a tonal thing. Yeah, changing your pick is actually going to make a big difference because not just for the reasons of tone. Obviously, we know that the pick changes the sound of the instrument probably more than changing your sets of strings, um, actually. But the and it's and it isn't just where where the pick impacts the strings either. It's it's got to do with the material and all that. Um, it made a bigger impact for me to do this because I was getting more mechanical benefit. Um, so, you know, then, then, of course, then that leads me to ch- making other changes, uh, to get sort of my sound back. Um, I, 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 don't look back on it. Actually, I, I've started using the lighter picks. And when I pick up a heavier note, when now I'm like, I'll use it, but I'm like, it's not really doing anything for me. I have to play lighter. Um, it feels kind of funky and I can't, uh, I don't know. I just, I can't, I can't get down the same way it was. So
0: I should i should try that i should go back to um lighter picks for a while
1: i'm not talking about light pick, no like the no don't i mean so these are dunlop flows 73 millimeters and these are actually yeah, probably two lights but the 88 but the 88 millimeters these yeah. are perfect um so and because that, and that's compared to i was using their either the one and a half or the two so one and a half millimeter or two millimeters yeah, so I've got some Dunlop... uh in fact, I have one of the bigger ones right here that I was using regularly. Let's say one and a half. You can tell I used to use these because I have a
0: whole thing of them. Let's see, this is...
1: you Are you still even, using Jazz Jazz 3 shape? Yep. Yeah. yeah, so we were talking about that too. Uh, the Jazz 3, the reason like, people love those things, um, at least in certain circles, is because they since they're so small, they require an even, they, they result in a more even string response, string to string, like when you're strumming. And so a lot of people like those for, um, specific like acoustic guitar, rhythm parts and stuff, because they don't, you're not going to hit one string harder than another. Um, Right. I did not know that. That was something that like we were talking about yesterday at the studio, actually, because he was like, yeah, so we guys have, have guys playing acoustic and here I have jazz three, threes that I hand them and I'm like use that instead cuz when I
0: um so this is a this is what I was playing this is a 96 yep yeah. um and they're big but nowadays they feel like a dinner plate when I, uh, and so I have to I have to change the way I grab them but they do have that flex
1: which I like the this is turning out to one... be the plectrum podcast but go on
0: well I'm just I'm just going to show a difference so somebody'll ask me this is what I typically carry uh with me sometimes when I when I'm playing so this is an Ernie Ball Prodigy uh very small pointy or I'll carry yep or I'll carry these Prime Tone which are um actually uh what's his name signature yeah, Petrucci. yeah Petrucci's signature Prime Tones So these are now the the prime tone the prodigy is actually I, they're hard to find they're actually smaller look at that than the Petrucci and what's funny is just to put it in perspective guys this is a typical Dunlop pick this is the pick <laughs> and so somebody will say hey can I borrow a pick and I'll hand them one of the ones that I have in my pocket and they'll go oh, never mind. <laughs> can use them because they're I just not used to
1: yeah i don't think that that's necessarily a total drawback i i mean i use those um yeah same here and and uh that's fine i know, mean, I gotta uh so that's not necessarily a drawback i just um no. i i used I I mean, I used to file picks down. In fact, I had a bastard file for it that I kept in my toolbox. That's all I did. Um, Just because I wanted that point. But now I'm to the the point where it's like, I actually don't want that point. I want the the attack to be smoother. So that, because especially when you're like sweet picking and stuff, you actually don't want everything to be super staccato because it makes your, it screws your rhythm up. You get caught up. Um, And it's microscopic, but it's enough that like, you notice eventually and you're like, oh, that's causing me problems, especially when you're playing rhythm parts. Um, so it, rhythm is king. Uh, I probably haven't said this on the show before. I've kind of had like an awakening moment. And, uh, I think everything I do is from this point forward is probably going to be rhythm focused more than, more than lead focused, because that's what you spend 80% of your time doing anyway. Um, so, and if you notice the good bands, you see, they're the ones that are all very, very solid rhythm players. And you can, you can like feel that rhythm off the, come off the stage. And that's like. That's the hallmark of being a great guitarist is like being able to hold down a rhythm even without a drummer, um, which is something I'm probably about to do. We'll talk about that and we get to the gig report. Oh, Hendrix,
0: um, uh, Hendrix was a rhythm player first. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even in some of his greatest songs, mm-hmm. rhythm first.
1: So, do you have anything you want to add to the same guitar different sound topic? Nope. I have a lot to share about the next one. Yep. Um, I don't. I'm hot take. Uh, so we're going to talk about Pantera and we're going to yeah. talk about the fact that there is apparently some sort of reunion brewing. Um, but my hot take on this is like, I'm not necessarily frustrated with this process or that this is happening the same way other people are. Um, and I don't think since it hasn't, I to my knowledge it has not been formally announced yet. Oh um, uh, yeah. It got formally announced like a day or two ago. I think it was yesterday. Well, no rex brown and no that's the lineup they haven't said what they're calling oh it.
0: there's oh, no oh, been no oh, formal yeah, no.
1: announcement of dates that's, or anything like that yet so right, right. because they could they could bring up a different name kind of like, a lot of people are suggesting that it's going to be like the pantera experience or something where basically right. it's like you know two of the living musicians celebrating the music of the, the band you know right, um, right. alongside a cast of other musicians and in fact, I've also heard it rumored, even though they, they confirmed that Zach Wilde will be one of the guitar player will be the guitar player, that he may not be the only one, that there may be a cavalcade, just like they did with the Jimi Hendrix tour, uh, the Experience yep. Hendrix tour, um, where they had several players come out and play, uh, you know, music from from Jimi. Um, I don't know. I, I I think that would be a more fitting tribute. I think the idea of uh, Phil Anselmo, and it, it's Rex Brown, right? I, I can never remember his last name. So and, and Rex Brown getting getting together and being like, Let's do a Pantera tour uh without you know Dime and, and Vinny. What the hell? I mean, like, no well, they, offen- no offense, Phil, but they died and you were not on good terms with either of them. Like, yeah. that's not okay. Um that's well, my sense on
0: that part, but yeah. Apparently the families have given their blessing. Um and I I I'm not gonna Jump in on either side of that, because as far as I'm concerned, though, if you're going to choose a guitar player, and uh, you put anybody's name other than Zach Wild yeah. in there, they
1: they chose. I would have said right when they, when yeah. they, when the rumors were swirling and people were like, "No, it's not Zach." Like I'm like, "Yeah, bullshit," because there's yeah, no way they can put shit. there's no way yeah. they can do that like without that being the case, because those two guys were super close. The only other person that possibly could have pulled that off was. Well he's gone now because he was also yeah. a hero and friend of, of, of Dimes, and that's that's Eddie Van Halen. Eddie never even yep. Vinny Paul being gone aside, which which again, same thing as in Van Halen. Uh Dime gets all the credit, but Vinny was probably like just as good, if not better, than than Dime was. Like, and that's not saying uh you know, that's he was no slouch. That's that's all I'm no. saying like the guy was a guy was a monstrous drummer um yeah and uh for me for me to hear like there's gonna be a reunion tour without basically the two most important members of that band because even if you think phil isn't important yeah he is he's the singer but realistically like yeah that's one out of three boys like you got you got some room to go here um you know
0: what is what is that album cover where the guy's getting hit in the face Vulgar display Um, of power that's it, Vulgar Display of Power? They paid that poor bastard 50 bucks or something. Said, okay, stand right here. And they did the slow motion photography and they literally plowed it in the
1: face. I think it's Vulgar Display of Power that is the, yeah. the fist Yeah, punch. it is. And
0: it it's um, so funny because they hit him. They hit him with everything they had, <laughs> whoever whoever hit him in the face. But they
1: were like, yeah, we'll give you 50 bucks to take a shot. to the Well, my, my issue is, so this is sort of a disservice to fan one of the things i thought would have uh, happened when pantera when pantera finally like it wasn't a thing anymore was that they would right. re-release all of the demos and stuff yeah. that they were passing around of their hair metal days when they were sounded like van halen yep. with johnny blaze yep. as the singer like i because yep. that stuff's widely available you can get it on youtube right now and you will find it right um it would only make sense for them to license it from whoever the whoever currently owns the recordings and to push yep. that out there is you know, Pantera before Pantera, or put it out as a box set or something, right. um, and just so that the fans could have it in a format that they could actually like yeah. acquire. Because I think pre-Pantera, a lot of people who are big fans of the band like mm-hmm. actually really like that stuff, and I, I'm I included. Um, and it's like, for me, if you're gonna do a Pantera reunion, you better pull some of that material out too, because this is one of those situations where this is a retrospective of this band. Um, a, a, a now basically non-living band as far as I'm concerned. Right. And, um, yep. it's it, I, I have, all right, look, I'm not gonna tell anybody they shouldn't do it. Um, I, I think there are reasons why they should. Um, but I'm also of the perspective of like, if you can't do it right, don't do it. Right. And so right. if they're going to come out and Phil is going to declare this band we are Pantera. Get the hell out of here. Like, no one's gonna... Bu- that's like... that's like. Do you remember what happened when... um, Axel was, like, the only remaining member of Guns N' Roses? And then they did Guns N' Roses. And everybody was like, that's not fucking Guns N' Roses. If you don't do right. that to Pan- Pantera when Phil does this... Like, I'm sorry, but, like, you're just a piece of shit. Because it's the same thing. Yeah. It's literally the well, same thing. Um, I don't see Zach coming in... And saying this is Pantera. Oh no, he won't. I, he, won't. he won't. He'll be. He'll I, divorce I, I just, himself from it. But we know Phil's yeah. the one with the mouth. That's why right. I'm saying. That's why this is dangerous. Especially if the okay. fa- if family has agreed to let them use the name, which that's kind of shitty. Um, and uh
0: oh, I, they, they, they signed off on allowing the project to go forward, not necessarily the name. That's why. That's man. why
1: we were talking about this, and I, and that's why I think it's probably not going to be Pantera. It's going right, to be like right. Pantera colon, a retrospective or something right, like that. Right. Um, or post Post
0: Pantera or something.
1: Yeah. yeah. It will not be Pantera. Or maybe and, the band will be called a Vulgar Display of Power. Or Yeah, know, that would be cool. Would be, I'll bet you there's already a cover band called the Vulgar Display of I'm Power. I'm sure there is, but I, get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, get the fuck out of the way. You know, I, you, you probably
0: appreciated... Pantera longer than I did. I I was only a fan after I got to meet
1: Dimebag. You know what's crazy? And, I I yeah. was not a fan of Pantera until I started getting into heavier music after his death, because the kind of metal I liked was I was into power metal and stuff like that and thrash metal. Yep. And like yep. I just couldn't get behind the guitar sounds and stuff. And then like he died. I think it was about a year later where i was like yeah. i'm looking for something different to listen to i was like oh hell i'll try this and i actually listened to cowboys from hell for the first time and that yeah. album is the oh, one that, is. that was the yeah. gateway album because a lot of the other stuff like um uh just just any of the later albums really um great southern trend kill and stuff like that were are yeah. like so abrasive they're almost impossible to listen to if you didn't get into it in the same way that right, the band right. progressed. Yeah, you had to get your palate cleansed. Once I went back and listened to Cowboys from Hell, I was like, okay, now I get it. And I'd actually heard um, Cowboys from Hell. I'd heard uh, Cemetery Gates. I'd heard, like, these were popular songs when I was growing up. And quite frankly, like, I I actually liked a few of them. I like Walk. Everybody likes that song, right? Um, I liked a few of them, but I was, like, never heavily invested in the van. So I didn't, I wouldn't say I hated them. But it just, like, was not something I exposed myself to a lot of until, like, about a year after his death, which which kind of sucked. Because I was like, right. man, I missed out. Like, what the hell? <laughs> um, well, I... <clears throat> yeah, the way I found out about... I a, a
0: friend of mine was a huge fan. Um, and he was a guitar player for a band I was in. And uh, I would always say to him, I'm not interested, because Phil Ensemble's
1: voice is not something for me. I just, I don't, I don't Well, the guy I, could sing, but he, was, like, he was oh, yeah. trying to do a very specific thing on those records, which was, right. like, no one sounds like him on those records. Let's just be no. real. Like, he's he's no. an impossible talent. But he can actually yeah. sing, listen to Cemetery Gates. I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, that, and
0: that's, so what happened was, I, I got to meet uh, um, the band and Dimebag and, and um, I got to see them live. And that was what it wasn't the records or the recordings or whatever. It was live and watching him and Vinny and Rex and Phil live. They were just,
1: um, their machine powerhouse. Yeah. A powerhouse. They were. Getting to see mm-hmm. Phil, Phil live is, is, uh, it's like I have, all right. I'm going to be real with everybody. I don't really have a problem with Phil. Phil's a Diamond Dave. That's the problem. Yeah. though. He's got a mouth. Yeah. And yeah. he definitely has his opinions about how he fits into things. Um, right. And, like, the comparisons between him and Diamond Dave are pretty staggering. Uh, except that he's the heavy metal Diamond Dave. Whereas right. Diamond Dave is just the, the hard rock Diamond Dave, right? Um, so... I guess from that perspective, like I have tremendous respect for his talent his ability. Uh, some of the projects he's done with and without, without Pantera um, and all of that. But, you know, it's just, it, it, this is a weird situation where like, I don't think anybody's asking for this to happen. Um, I, at least certainly I'm not. I mean, I didn't wake up as a Pantera fan and go, geez, I really wish Zach Wild would, would get together with i mean that that i actually did think about that for a while but i was like i really don't want that to happen after you know when vinny died i was like stunned like i don't ever want to see anybody even attempt this like this is just a bad idea and so that's part of my gut reaction to this it's like a my, my wife told me she's like your Pantera's is getting back together i'm like how did they, they, they figure out how to clone people or like are they bringing people back from the dead like what the hell are you talking about um, but then I started reading the reading the news stories, and I was like, "Well, you know, if they do it, it's like the Pantera experience or something. Right? Um, right. It might at least be feasible. Whatever they,
0: uh, and the choice of musicians was respectable.
1: Yeah, I mean they so, got the drummer from Anthrax. I forget his name is offhand, and of course Zach Wild, yeah. who is like literally Dimebag's best friend. Um, oh my god! Yeah. I, well, he had actually talked about this. Back when Dime died, he, he had mentioned like, you know, I I wouldn't want to take his place as band, but like and I think he said it out of tremendous respect, like, I wouldn't want to do this. And I think just like time has yeah. mellowed that. He's just kinda of like, Yeah, I wanna go out and celebrate, you know, his well, country. Yeah, and I think that I think that if people see it as a celebration of the music rather
0: than a um because. Because I think enough time is, geez, it's
1: almost been 20 years. Yeah. That's scary. Um, yeah, because uh, it happened, I think, the year I started college. So crazy, I can right? remember uh, the, the day after, two kids in the back of the class were talking shit oh, about was... how they could play Cemetery Gates.
0: Yeah, Okay
1: who cares exactly. you know like (laughs) tell me tell me something hard that you could play like can you play domination like let's let's talk you know um so anyway uh yeah so if you have your thoughts and comments share them in the chat below please um, Please. or the chat or the comments below if you're watching this posthumously And,
0: and just like the the uh um
1: whatever happens with this let's try to be respectful yeah, a, sure. Well, know, I mean, I, I, I mean, moderate things, so if you get out of hand, I'm gonna, you're gonna get right. in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Don't make me, don't make just, me penalize
0: you. Right. It's just be respectful, not only to us, but to most importantly to the band and to what what we hope. Let's let's be positive. Let's think positively about this. Yeah. I think it's, I I cannot see Zach Wilde doing anything negative. That guy just. He is the
1: sweetest son of a bitch. I mean, <laughs> despite looking like a fucking Viking, and, despite looking, yeah, like, he, like, like he I would him. On, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to run into him on the street. But like, yeah, he's the nicest guy you can possibly talk to. So
0: self-deprecating and so just incredibly talented. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Overall. Let's talk about canceling a gig, Jim. So, why would you cancel a gig? And we had to cancel a gig this week. So. I'll tell you why. <laughs> just like what you were talking about just a minute ago, we had the, our lead singer and myself were sick and um, uh, incapable of playing. Um, there was no way if he was out sing, uh, not being able to sing. Even though you've heard me talk this this long, there's no friggin' way I would have sang this long. Um, I don't think I can get through three songs right yeah, now. Yeah,
1: you do feel a little bit. You do sound a little bit uh, rough though.
0: I yeah, I am. And uh so it's it's uh I haven't had a lot of sleep. I've had maybe an hour of sleep a night, uh two hours a night. Um, tossing and turning. I, I tweaked my back. Um and my throat I <clears throat> had a um a thing that went from my nose into my throat, from my throat up to my ears, now back into my throat. And it feels like somebody's choking me the whole time. Um, so that's not fun. Um, I know there are are people into that. That's not me. Um, so, uh, we had to cancel. Um, and I just, I just got to thinking, you know, why would you want to cancel a gig? And, and obviously sickness is a, is a good reason. Um, but we all said, you know, I've, I've never, I I literally have never canceled a gig in my life. And I gotta be honest with you, if they had said you're coming, I'd have been there. I'd have been there with bells on, and I'd have gotten through that stuff. I'd have been gargling salt water between songs. I'd have been, I've done it. I I have gone out, um, I came back from a flight once. I was on a flight uh, from Baltimore home, and I was four hours late from the flight. Got into um, Albany Airport, got on a car, got to my house. My wife had packed up all the stuff into the vehicle, got in, um, and we went straight, after I changed my clothes, I might have changed my clothes on the way, and we went right to the gig, mm. get get to the gig, um, they were like, oh man, I'm glad you got here, I'm like, oh, okay. And, and of course, I had airline bug, right? Yeah. And, because um, I had flown out, flown back, and uh, I think I flew in the same day, I think I flew out in the morning and flew back in the evening. <clears throat> I was... Dried out to say the least, just you know. Um, and I just poured water down my throat the whole way. I was gargling, and and I had a big spittoon. Oh, yeah, it was gross. I had a um, uh, I got up on stage, and we led with um, uh, a bad company song that required me to go a full octave. Oh, god, in G.
1: Oh, so I'm
0: in, uh, I'm at my low G to my high G, you know, like like middle G actually to high G. I, I, it's not can't get enough of your, yeah, can't get enough of your love, can't get enough of your love. And then you got to go into that high, I can't get enough of you, yeah. And, top of and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and that was the opening song. I was like, we we didn't rewrite the set list yeah. while it was gone, and uh, the. The end of the first set ended with um, "Rocket in the Free World." Matter of fact, I have the set list. It's funny because my wife found it. <laughs> oh yeah, she's like, "Ah, eh, there's your, there's your set list," and um, this is a different night. But you can see where I, where I started that night. We're oh, an American band. Werewolves of London, Cocaine took it took it from high to slow, uh, but but here I am, at two pick. Two tickets to paradise. My Sharona is is high. Long train running. That's a, a high G right right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, and I think somewhere in here there's Journey. Um, uh, and so I, I was like, oh great, you know this this thing is killing me. Um, oh and of course, what do I end end with? Big balls from ACDC. Oh my God. <laughs> fight for right <laughs> but it, somewhere in here is lights from journey and we did uh um a whole bunch of show me the way from uh what's his face what's that guy's name uh, peter frampton <clears throat> i've never tie your mother down from queen that yeah. is in here jesse's girl is surprisingly high surrender from cheap trick nothing from cheap trick is easy to sing uh she sells sanctuary um from uh, the cult
1: yeah so I was just so go ahead, go let's ahead, brain, let's brainstorm some other reasons to uh cancel a gig yeah well um, I can share I can share some real ones um I have never personally canceled a gig but I know bands that have uh how about the um promoter has a very uh prestigious resume of not paying bands um <laughs> That has happened. I know a band that, uh, they're a local up-and-coming outfit. They played some of the bigger clubs around here. They got a gig in a local club, and uh, they were told that basically the promoter hasn't paid the last two bands of their size because they claimed that they didn't bring enough people, and they said, well, our writer doesn't have that in it, uh, so screw you, and basically yep. told them to go pound sand. Um, and literally was on Facebook like three or four hours before their gig saying, don't come out because, <laughs> uh, we're not going to be there. Um, I had a gig canceled similar
0: story. The promoter had double booked the gig. Oh yeah. And so the band that got there first was setting up.
1: Yeah. Um, that's the kind of stuff that's like, and then you don't go back, you know, that's when you oh. cancel any future gigs that you have with that establishment. Um yep. other reason to cancel a gig, like like you said, like somebody's sick, uh, yep. somebody can't make it because they've had a car wreck or something like that. Those yep. are those are good reasons to cancel a gig. Uh good reasons not to cancel a gig, your drummer decides to take a vacation. Um, which is uh may lead us into the gig report here. Yes. Are we are we into the gig report? All right. Let's skip over to the gig report. All right, so we're so we're winding down here. We're we're, at, we're in home stretch. It's gonna be a shorter episode. Um, good. So my voice is starting to go. <laughs> I don't have a lot of gig report information to share. I'll be at Pollyanna this week at Open Jam. That's the first thing I just want to throw out there. I will be recording, hopefully, God willing, with my uh my video camera. But um, we had some issues last time. Some people basically sat right in front of the camera, so it was like I'm not using that footage on the podcast. Um, it was good. It was a good set two ovations, you know, like when you get a guitar solo and then people actually stand up and clap or just clap in their seats. That's always a good thing. Um, Always a good feeling because, like, that means people actually were listening to what you were doing well enough that they paid attention. Um, So, um, anyway, that was that gig, and now I'm getting ready for the next real gig, which is uh, I'm playing Old Stumpy. We're going to be playing uh, Taste of Roselle on August 6th. I think it's sixth. This is the next Saturday or it's, it's the first Saturday in August or whatever. And, um, I, so there's, there's a little bit of drama surrounding the show. I got a e- I got an e- email sometime in early, uh, early part of the month saying that, you know, here's a set list. Like everybody get ready. We won't have a rehearsal before the show. So just, you know, practice on your own, whatever. No big deal. It's typical. It's dumpy. So, uh, it's like, all right, I got this. No problem. So then I get a, yeah, a li- reason, uh, like a week later, I get another email saying, Hey, or actually, it was a text message saying, um, Hey, I'm going to be in town. Does anybody want to get together and do a rehearsal? And it was uh, Kyle, our band leader. And I said, Yeah, uh, we can do a rehearsal. And then, of course, after conversation back and forth between people, we said we're going to do the rehearsal at my parents' place because it makes the most sense uh, logistically. Yeah. And uh, they had offered. So I was like, All right, well, that makes sense. I don't have to go rent rehearsal space. That'll be fine. Um, yeah which i was prepared to do because me i'm the professional and i be i believe that it is always in your best interest to practice professionally uh which means if you have to go to rehearsal space you go to rehearsal space otherwise you don't try to play acoustically you don't try to do any of that kind of nonsense you get everybody in a room and you do it the way you're going to do it on stage because that's what the rehearsal is a practice is when you horse around at home learning the songs okay right that's for anybody who's listening that's what the difference between practice and rehearsal is, and I I've played yep. with a lot of people who kind of drive they drive me a little little nuts. Not not a lot of nuts. I don't get mad about this one, but I do have yep. people tell me I had band practice. It's like, well, wait a minute, you practice at home before you go to play with the band at rehearsal, because right. rehearsal is, I know the songs. Let's play them together. Um, yep. So that's that's my mind always goes. What the hell are you talking about? Band practice, what the hell is that? Um, but I used to call it band practice back when I was a kid, so I, I give those people a pass, no big deal. Um, so anyway, um, rehearsal time rolls around. Actually, before that happens, the same slurry of text messages when we were trying to figure out where we were going to go, uh, it's announced that our drummer will not be there. And the first suggestion was, What's the one, point? The first suggestion was, Can you play acoustic? And all right, so I'm gonna be real I'm gonna be real raw and honest with everybody here. I don't want to play acoustic in this band for a number of reasons, but the most important one to me right now is um, I'm physically not an acoustic player and the kinds of playing I do does not translate well to an acoustic guitar, right So for right. me to go up there and play songs acoustically, uh, I can't bend my G string a step and a half. Okay, right, And that's yep. something I do from time to time. Um, I can't there are other things I that, that's not the only one, but that's the one I've been using as the primary example is like, guys, this is a physical limitation of the instrument. I can't get really beyond the 14th fret without doing some kind of crazy tapping thing. Um, yep. which again, I can do that, but it's one of those situations where it's like, why would you? I sh- really shouldn't have to. We should have a set list that's agreed to the tunes that everybody plays, especially because we don't rehearse enough. Um, so that everybody knows where they're at on the same page. And, um, so I asked why we didn't, where we weren't going to hire a drummer and there was some drama with a previously hired drummer and, uh, that soured their taste on hiring somebody additional. Yep. Um, this le- led me to the rehearsal we had this weekend, which was great. We played well. Um, whatever we're getting ready for the show you know it's like everybody's first time it uh it was only three of us but three of the three to five of us but uh, um it's the first time the three of us had been together and since christmas around christmas time so it was like this is this is you know this feels good where i think we'll we'll be okay to get through the show um it's not a big deal it's taste of roselle we're not getting paid one of those whole stupid shenanigan deals again uh which leads me to you know sort of where I'm I'm heading with this this conversation, is that um, I bring it up. I said, let's just hire a damn drummer. Like, in my opinion, a show like that is an opportunity because there's going to be at least 200 people there, 300 people there standing around because we're right by the food tents and everything. It's like, you're telling me you want to throw that away and play like sort of now I don't want to say a half ass set because they're they're comfortable playing playing this kind of music but like a less than set you know right. and I'm like I'm not comfortable with that because I could be there and it's people I know might show up and they might be like wow what's he doing here kind of thing um now they would they would I would tell them I'm a hired gun because because that's that's what I'm supposed to be in this man although I don't get paid enough to be a hired gun because I don't get paid right. regularly enough in this band, which is part of the reason right. why like, I'm probably going to depart after the show. I can make that public here. I'm going to make that public with the band as well. It's not anything personal. Um, I've enjoyed my time playing with them. Uh, we've had some good times, actually. And uh, I consider them all friends of mine. Um, and I may come back for a one-off show here or there like when time allows, but I cannot commit permanent time to this band. i got too many other irons in the fire. Uh, between right. the podcast and other things, and now I've got this to prepare for in the middle of it. So anyway, we were going back and forth, and I said, let's just hire a damn drummer. And the commentary was like, I didn't even want to do that. So then we go to the rehearsal, and I said, come on, Kyle, let's, let's be real about this. Let me hire a drummer. I will pay, I will pay to bring in a ringer. Like, I will go find, because I have a Rolodex now, I will go find yeah. the three people that I think are most capable and I will offer them the gig and I will pay their fee for you. This will not be out of band proceeds. And then one of the first comments was, we're not paying them many tips. No, you're not. I'm paying them. Like, what the hell do, is the problem? Like, do you not understand? Of, I'm, paying I'm willing yeah. to pay the 150 to $200, you know, from, from 50 to $250 that it will take to get one of the pro-level drummers to come out that I know... To sit, right. sit in with us for a, an hour set or an hour and a half set right. at, a, at a festival on a Saturday during prime time. Like, uh, yes, yep. I will pay them. Yes, I yep. will pay them. Because number one, I would re- reward my local local friends to play. Um, yep. Number two, uh, it's a good opportunity for our band and may lead us to playing other places. Uh, right. Number three it's not fun for me to play and suck like i don't want to do that um right. so i it's always been said in this band the philosophy is if you're not having fun don't do it right um right. and you're not having fun i'm i'm at a point where i, I mean i i the, the hang is cool right and it, we all talk about the cool hangs right I, the hang is cool it's okay I I actually really like the two main guys in the band they're 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 funny they're funny guys and we you know grew up in similar backgrounds and we relate to each other quite a bit Mm -hmm. but for me like I if I have to do a passion project where I'm going to play for free it's going to be my music you know what I mean I'm not going to be playing tunes I don't really care about quite frankly like do you think I we've talked about this on the show this is a this is a reoccurring gag I really want to play Margaritaville. No, no, you I do? don't. No, I don't. <laughs> I'd like to take that song. I would like to take every version of it. I would like to put it on one of Bezos' dick rockets and send it to the sun. Um, <laughs> if I could do that, you know, if if somebody knows a way for me to accomplish that, come see me, because I because I have I, I'm willing to pay. <laughs> like I'll put my money where for my real. mouth is. Um, it's <laughs> it, there are other songs in our set that I really like, but it's like, dude, I gotta play right. this shit to get to it. And I gotta play this shit because you guys think it's a crowd pleaser. Like, yeah. it, I mean, it's a crowd pleaser maybe for this band. You know how that goes, right? Like, not every band can. Like, if Iron Maiden came out and played freaking uh Margaritaville, people would lose their mind. They'd be like, what the hell is this shit? Oh, yeah. Um, or any like it would like, be hilarious. Yeah. Or like your local bar band that plays blues covers comes out and plays Margaritaville. You're gonna be like, huh? you know this isn't yeah. this isn't howlin wolf or the, you know this isn't uh a bb king thing like what the hell is this um so that's all i'm getting at it's in genre for them but it's definitely not in genre for me and i'm very out of genre in that band and i it was nice to stretch it was nice because like i we talked on the yeah. show like i played a lot of gigs with them where it's like i learned something because <clears throat> i never play that way um and uh, I, that stuff has been very invaluable. And I want to uh, thank the guys in the band if, if any of them are listening. Yep. But, um, you know, it's like I said, I, I'll be available for one-off gigs here and there as as time allows. But for the most part, like, I've got too many irons in the fire. It's amazing that I'm going to do this one. Because at this yeah. point, like, dude, I'm, I'm three nights a week mixing. And this is running right up to the show, so I'm literally going to take the day off work probably the day before and just play all the songs right. all day long until we get there. And then I'll go and I'll play the show without a drummer because a lot of the uh, – so this is the other thing. They went, I, I I got Blessing to go and talk to some drummers, and there was a little bit of back and forth on that. But basically I went and um, I called a couple of people. I called a, local, a couple of local ringers. Some guys really, really good. I'm surprised they even picked up the phone when I called them. Um, and, uh, one of the guys, he posts on his Instagram, like the, the, uh, schedule of shows he's playing and he's booked like every goddamn day and most days twice. Yeah. And he calls me back and he's like, he's like, what time is the show at? And I'm like, it's, it's 6 45 PM. He goes, shit. He's like, you missed me by like an hour. You know, like I was like, yeah. God damn it. Um, cause it was like, it was my third swing and miss, you know? and uh it, it's okay like i'm not mad he gave me he gave me like other names so i'm like i don't know how deep in the spider web i want to go looking for a drummer for this um i because again i don't want to be the guy that provides a drummer that i can't vouch for either so right i pick people that i know like that i already know and i've seen them play and i know they're in genre for us and it's going to be it would be a, a, a really right. good workable situation um right but it's just not going to pan out and so That's that, you know, we're going to move on and we're going to, we're going to play the show. I guess we're going to play it without a drummer and, um, they're going to try to folk up the set a little bit more. They're going to look at the, uh, the set list and take out some songs that really require a drummer, um, and try to move forward that way. So, uh, but that said, I'm in, um, I'm in good spirits. Like I got, I got enough positive energy going right now that I'm not sad about leaving this band. I'm just like, yeah, it's just, I can't do it anymore. I just don't have time yeah. for it. Um, And you guys, you guys all listening at home just realize like this podcast is another thing that I spend time on that like, right. I'm spending time on it. Cause I like doing it. And I chose that uh, in this instance, because we have a longer history here and, right. and, and there's uh, more uh, positive energy coming out of this right now, because we have 260 subscribers here and several thousand listeners over on um on uh, Podbean, So on the, you know, the podcast side. Um, So if you, by the way, the the title of this episode, return to form is a reference to the fact that we didn't podcast for three weeks. I wanted to make sure everybody knew like this is happening because there's a lot of schedule shit going on right now. And that we're not, we would like to do an episode every week and it's just not, it's not been working out. And I don't want, I don't want anybody to think we're stopping the show or slowing down. Um, Actually, if anything, we're probably going to get momentum going in August again. It's just, um, right i'm i'm way behind on everything
0: Um, yeah we're all all behind um and my august you know positive and and busy uh i've got a lot of gigs in august um so and then i've got my mother's birthday is in september
1: do you have two gigs a day every day in august no No. because you're not a drummer
0: Exactly, and you know, yeah, I'm a suck ass guitar player. Um, even if I was a halfway decent guitar player, I'm,
1: have four I'm gigs. telling you, dude. I'm telling you, dude. Like drummers, for whatever reason, bass players not oh. as much. Not bass players not even as much because there's crossover between bass players and guitar players. But right. drummers, <sighs> those guys, two three gigs, two three gigs a day. Sometimes, in fact, yeah. I know a guy that was like he couldn't make our gig because he was doing three gigs that day. He was getting up, he was doing bored. a brunch gig, and then he was going out and doing. Uh, a festival gig in the afternoon, and another festival gig at night.
0: (laughs) I've got a a friend who, uh, I should say she's an acquaintance, but um, who plays keys in this area, and uh, you'll see her play sometimes two, three times a day. She was like, well... I'm on a on a um, day off today. She she had a very picture on Facebook. She was like on a rare day off today because she does not take time. Off. I mean, seven days a week, three hundred sixty-five days. I mean, she yeah, because
1: you got to play when there. You okay. got to play until there isn't isn't availability to play. Because like uh, yeah. I have a friend that that does. Uh, he does six nights a week on piano, and and I want to say nights. True. He's doing like literally from like nine p.m. to you know whenever the bar closes, yeah. and it's you know for for him. Like I got to take the gig work when I can get it. And he also does studio work and he also has, mm-hmm. you know, bands that he has. He does, yeah. and, um, so it's like, that's, that's the life of, of a quality local musician is to do all the, yep. the other, you know, to participate in the scene locally and right. be there and available for other people. I I think um, if anything, all of these experiences that I've been talking about in this episode and then like, just. In general, the last couple of years have taught me a few things, which is uh, number one, that like the in demand players, the people that are really holding the scene together, they're usually hired guns. These are guys that, you know, I play with these four bands. Those are my regular bands. And then I've got like this gig over here that I do, you know, twice a month. And it's, you know, this much money. And they just have all these sources of income stacked up just from playing gigs. And that's right. in addition to what other right, side right. work they do. And some of them also have day jobs and it's yeah. like, you know, they might have a four or five hour day, day day job and then they flip that and then they go and they do the music thing at night. And then, um, I just, I don't think I could do, do it like that, but I understand how that mentality gets started where, you know, you're, you're booked three times a day. It's just yep. wild, um. but you've got to do it to eat. Like you want to have a decent car. You want to have right. a decent place to live, you know, money ain't no going money on truth for musicians at 300 bucks a gig. Like you're nope. really going to have to work your ass off right. to make that work as a, as a musician. Yeah, so. It's a, it's a game of pennies. Well, I mean, if you think about it, so if it's 300 bucks a gig and you, and you do three a day, which most people aren't doing three a day, but if you do, no. if you were able to do three, let's say, let's say two a day, right? At three hundred bucks a gig, that's a max six hundred dollars a day plus tips, and then you've got uh, five days in a week that you're probably working. So that's, um, I would say somewhere in the neighborhood, you know. So you're you're looking at three grand, right, yep. before tax. Um, yep. So I don't know. That kind of brings you in line with what what a lot of people make, but yep. it's one of those situations where you're gonna pay you tax. You have to come, you have to come up with your own insurance. So that's yep. gonna rob you some. Um, yep. You definitely and, want to have and a significant other that has a good off. job that can provide you insurance and that kind of stuff. And if you if you want to take
0: time off, or if there's God forbid another you know you just don't uh, get paid, they shut things down or whatever. Psh, the, yeah, the money is off. Um, I you know yeah, that's hard. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say it's hard. I yeah. wouldn't want to do it. I mean, I I shouldn't say I wouldn't want to do it. I think
1: that I would do it had I been younger and done it. Right, right. Even at my age, I'm like, I don't know that my body could physically handle that kind of abuse. And I'm 37, so. But I can tell you that, like, I am shocked and amazed by how late I can stay up and how early I can get up. And I can actually be doing things at 1 o'clock in the morning. Like, that's pretty wild to me. Um, But I do feel it does catch up with you eventually. And when you live these kinds of schedules like having a day job and then going to do these night gigs until two o'clock in the morning is not something that works out for most people. It's no. just burning the candle at both ends. You're going to make yourself very ill. You're either going to get, be, you're either going to be super successful and make a hell of a lot of money because you're going to develop a talent that's just like on another level, which I've worn into some people that are just like, there's one person in particular. And uh, it's the people who know me, you know who I'm talking about because like, he's the guy that's involved with everything and he's super good at everything he does and his professionalism and his level of talent is just off the charts. And I, it it, it never ceases to amaze me. He's a, he's, he's a guy that gigs, you know, four or five nights a week. And it never ceases to amaze me that he doesn't have a bigger, like, like a, like a record deal or something because he's that talented. He's that good. And you, I mean, even the people that are watching him, like, he seems like a national act when you go and watch him, like the way he interacts, with the audience just, he's got so much goddamn stage experience. That's, that's Ooh. a big part of it. And it's like, nobody has that. And you get that by doing what I just said, which is two gigs a day, five days a week, you know? Right. And then if you don't get one on a day, then you have to make it up on a Saturday or Sunday. And you just yep. keep plowing through until, you know, you're either a gonna be extremely incredibly talented or B, yep. you're going to be had it, and you're going to end up in the hospital because you've got That's exhaustion. Right. Yep. So, you got anything to share for Giga Report? Right. Are, we, are we out? All right, we're yeah. out. Uh, it's been nice seeing everybody that came in. I did see a couple people pop in while we yep. were uh, doing the podcast tonight. And we well, no, know, not actually. Yeah, probably. They're probably All like, yeah, what I'm the hell is this we bullshit were. in the first 15 minutes? Uh, if you want to catch that first 15 minutes, um, I will re-upload this tomorrow um, as, an, as a regular podcast thing. And then I'm actually going to uh, – I have to edit the previous two and then upload those to Podbean as well. So I'm hoping to do that sometime this week if I get time available. But I'm juggling that with work, and I'm juggling that with studio. And I know I'm in the studio tomorrow. And I know Thursday I am going to open Jam as the one thing I do for myself. And I'm just yep. gonna do it anyway. So maybe Friday, it'll get done. And when it gets done, I'll make it. I'll make it clear. I'll be in the Facebook group, and I'll put it in the. I'll put it in the uh, Discord as well. Um, if you haven't joined our Discord, I will if I can remember tomorrow when I post up the show. I'll put the uh, Discord link in there. If you if you want to find the Discord link before then, you can go join our Facebook page. Discord link. If you don't have Discord, it'll log you through the whole process of creating an account. And it's great because okay. it's not Facebook. That's right, and you can leave the Facebook page because we don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're on there like once a week now. It's uh, yeah. we're
0: definitely, neither one uh, of us uses. I don't have Facebook on my phone anymore. No, Facebook is a steamy pile of shit, I don't. I don't recommend it for people. But at least it's a way for us to get the get Discord link out there, and then you can just go. Yeah, I use it page. for self
1: promotion for music and stuff, but other than that, I'm just I'm ditching it. It's it's not Same good there. for your mental health. Instagram even is a better option even though it's owned by the same company it's a much better option for for uh promoting your stuff so um yeah that's just my two cents on that right now anyway i've been david and i've been jim and tonight we've been practical guitarists yeah thanks for tuning in